right, this is Chris Ryan again for Tell the Damn Story. And yes, I am still at Pulp Fest. And we have another author to speak to you right now or to speak to. This is Sarah Light Walla. How'd I do? Perfect. A little worried about my Bronx accent. And she's from Lucina Press. And she has written her first pulp. It's a sci-fi pulp. It's, it's a space opera and it's illustrated. Space opera, illustrated. And who wrote it? I wrote it. And who illustrated I it? I did. Look at this. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a multi-talent. So tell us a little bit about Landscape of Darkness. Well, it's a um, it's in the tradition of Edmund Hamilton and Henry Kuttner. Those are my favorite pulp authors. And it's but it brings in modern themes. So it's people have been calling it new old pulp. Okay. It reads like an old pulp, but the concepts in it are very timely. For example, the, a big theme in this book is transhumanism and what that is doing to humanity and and I'm treating um, that as part of a massive crisis that humanity's facing currently or about to face in the history of the book it's 200 years from now okay but we are about the time of what I call the threshold war which is a decision point between organic and inorganic life um, and all the implants people are beginning to talk about getting and all the um, the cyber enhancements where that goes and what that does to human beings when you become more enhancement than actually human. Are you still human? Right? Are you still human? What makes us human? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you now, we're going to go back to go forward. Of course. This is your first pulp, right? First yes. sci-fi, I guess you'd say, right? Mm-hmm. But you've written before this. I have. I've, I've been um, a publishing... Um, newspaper and magazine writer um, in nonfiction. I've also written for um, small and large publishers um, in children's science books, things of that nature, and I've done four children's books that were since... And you wrote and illustrated those four children's books? Yes. And they were not sci-fi? No, although I do have um, some sci-fi... I have some space coloring books planned, which I will be bringing out probably next year so what i want to ask is what took you what was the journey creative journey you know your your decision to go from you know the nonfiction of media to children's books to sci-fi pulp that's an interesting transition to, for me it is um well it's it starts back in the 80s where i got my um my master's degree in scientific illustration as well as anthropology, it was my minor with scientific illustration. So you were just kind of skipping along, not really working that hard. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I teach. Oh, beautiful. So, um, so I learned a lot. A lot of the old illustration techniques were going out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. The old papers were going, the old techniques, and digital was coming in. My, my teacher was um, an old cartographer from World War II. And so he knew all these old techniques, and it was one of the best programs in the country. So I learned pen and ink, and I learned scratch board, and I learned um, to draft by hand. So I had all these old techniques, um, and I was starting to use them to be a commercial um, illustrator, which I've been since the 90s, doing all sorts of weird whatever clients want you to sure. do kind of thing. But i am always been a science fiction writer. I just hadn't quite gotten to the point where I was ready to publish anything. Ah, you were in the closet. I was in the closet, yes. In the closet sci-fi writer. We know those people. (laughs) I I was writing it. Well, there's more to the story, but but long-winded, and I won't go into it. But what happened with this was 
I was actually doing some demo pieces for a class I was, an art class I was teaching, talking about black and white art, and I was showing uh, what Coquille was, because no one remembers it, and very right. few companies sell the paper anymore. It's a textured paper. Sure. Um, so I had done three pieces. I set them up on my easel to look at them, and I realized there was a story to them, oddly, and I kind of began to put them together, and it led me on a path. I like graphic design, too. Sure. So I created um, the, pa the front page of a story in the same layout as the thrilling Wonder Tale story. Excellent. And I had these, this illustration, and I had titles, and I had no story. So I just had to cobble together a few paragraphs of a, about a, 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 a captain and a police a police captain in another world, in a mm -hmm. space colony, and a lost patrol. And I had the title immediately, and I had the hero's name. The, the title being Landscape, Landscape of Darkness. Of Darkness yes. And the hero's name is Sam Mercury. And Great name. What a perfect pulp name. He, Sam Mercury. Isn't he? He's just, he's a fan base at this point. <laughs> I love Sam. Um, so, but I know story. So I cobbled a little bit together just based on the fact that I love pulp and I've read a lot of it. I showed it to a few friends, and they just pointed to the... I, just can see them they were pointing the last paragraph and says what happens next oh that's the best i said there's no more and they said right yes it. there is right yes it. there is damn it <laughs> so i wrote it and um and i i'm in i live in washington state mm -hmm. and i have i have a pretty burgeoning fan club in my town that is fantastic it's <laughs> really fun and the, so they've demanded a sequel so um i have another book coming out that's illustrated probably within the next month and a half it's almost ready sure. that's going to be called anchor and it's, Same characters? Uh, no, that's a different line of characters. Um, it's going to be more have a more of a 20s um, Egyptian revival feel to it. It's about it's a time travel about timekeepers. Okay. They keep the timelines uh, from being polluted. Now, are they in the same universe as Sam, or different universe? Or you haven't decided yet? Um, if they are in the same universe, they're going to be millions of years ahead they, they okay. live outside of time but time travels time well, he, travel they could stop by and see sam they're they're in our universe actually oh really yeah he is not he's in a variant of ours so there will be this there are other stories that take place around the threshold war and then in his time with him okay um and this it sounds like you have just popped the cork on many many stories to come i have half a dozen stories either written in final edits with editors so and i don't have the illustrations on most of them but i have them ready to roll out over the next year and a half and they're good stories they're not like i just threw them together mm -hmm. i mean that sounds arrogant but well that's okay but I, I, you know i understand what you mean they're all going to be short though because i want to create an environment and a feel of like the old magazine stories right so nothing longer than a novella quick read quick read uh, alex and i have the rapid read blackjack series Quick reads. They're designed, designed for the modern, uh, you know, time constraints and right. uh, re rebuilding the attention span. That's right? exactly just my get plan. Get in there. You know, you don't have enough time. You have enough time for this. Let's go have some fun. And, or just sit down after dinner with a cup of tea or a glass of wine and read the book. And that's what's oh. been happening. Yes, that's excellent. Um, you're an illustrator. Illustrator. And a writer. Yes. Do you it's see the stories as illustrations? and then write the words to fit, or do you see them as, you know, through the words and then illustrate the words? How does it work for you? That is an excellent question. Well, every um, once in a while that, that happens. That is an absolutely <laughs> excellent question. Um, I did a webcomic called Privateer Princess that ran almost 90 pages. And I found when I was doing, it was in a manga style. Mm -hmm. And I found that uh, some of the characters I couldn't visualize without drawing them. 
I just couldn't quite get them. Right. So it it depends. I knew what Sam looked like more or less from the beginning. Um, there's one character, the female character in here, whose name is Irene Turin. There is one picture of her that has not been published. It's meant to go on the sketchbook that goes with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's she is one of those characters that I, I write, but I don't necessarily see. Okay. So it, it kind of depends. It, That's it, interesting. Um, yeah. Um, now, as far as the stories, I ask a lot of writers this. Are you a pantser or a planner? You know, a seat of the pants, you just start writing and see where it I goes. I know. I'm a pantser or... with planning later if I need it. That's interesting. Um, because with a pulp story, especially a short one, there are features that must be there, and it must be handled in a certain way. To... Give us an example. Um, well, okay. Um, I think Campbell was the one that enforced this in his writers. He said, um, it's not about how cool the tech is because of the people who live in those times, it's not cool. Like a cell phone is not particularly cool. Yeah, but we're it would we're be, used to it already. We're used to it. They're used to the ray guns right. and stuff. So it's it's got to be, you have to watch it and have them be in their environment. Right. Um, so that's, so I have to check that. Okay. I have to make sure. I also have to make sure that it reads fast. Um, and I have to make sure that, here's a problem that I didn't realize I was gonna run into. If you model the old pulp styles, there's too much in the way of adjectives, yes. certainly adverbs for modern readers. The old pulps, there wasn't as much visual content to compete with. Yes. They had to fill in the room. They had to fill in maybe clothing or a street scene where now our our population is so visual right. that we can almost write with a shorthand. But it's cheating, as far as I'm concerned. Interesting. Explain. Um, I think that it's an incredibly effective technique, for example, to compare somebody to an animal um, in the way they used to. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. is has a bullish neck right. or an ape-like face, you see it right away. Sure. We are a little hesitant to do that nowadays um, because we don't want to offend anybody. Right. But the fact is, it works. Um, on average, they would use... I discovered this in a weird way. Three descriptive, adjective-filled sentences in a row to get a description in of certain things. Right. My editor um, says it's too much, and she always makes me cut out one of those sentences, which is a pain in the neck. Right, right. But it's uh, but that's so translating up to new readers without losing the old style is a challenge. Well, that's that's interesting because. Um, yeah. I tend to, instead of comparing them like in the 40s or 30s, they would use an animal. Mm-hmm. I, for someone who's got a bullish neck, right? For me, it would be he's got a neck like a fire hydrant, you know, and it would well, be yeah. inanimate because because there's not as many uh, connotations. Right. Um, I also do find myself uh, adverbs have no chance with me. Oh, and I then, love and, adverbs. And, I don't so, care. See, I, I, it's I, fascinating to hear the different styles because. Um, it has to be what works for you, right? right. And uh, as you can see, you have this, or as you've told us, you have the, this growing cult following of, uh, of wine and book uh, uh, um, absorbers, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Actually, and, I And w- it's because your style works for their needs. Well, it is, it's kind of fascinating because I did not expect this. I have a reader's 
space between 10 and like 85. Oh, that's fascinating. It's fascinating. The kids like it because it's not a dystopian book. And they, they're enjoying the fact that it's, you know, there's, got, some, hope. there's right. some hope. And the older readers are, I've had two people compare this to a Captain Future. Wow. Which is like, whoa. That's big. It's yeah. it's huge. One of them said in a review, I kept, I kept forgetting I wasn't reading a Captain Future story. That's very cool. I, but I, I take that to mean I got the style right. And as an illustrator, I think I write, I write from a weird perspective as an illustrator's perspective. When you study illustration, um, for example, pen and ink, you study it line by line. Mm-hmm. And I make copies of good art to learn them. Well, you can do the same thing with writing, but a lot of writers don't come it from that angle. Right. But if you do come from that angle, it's really fascinating because you see the rhythm and the structure in a very different way. Right. Hunter S. Thompson retyped out a uh, Hemingway novel. I know that. To see how it. Right? Yes, and yeah. I do that. He doesn't. He didn't write anything like Hemingway. I know. But it, it was a, um, a shocking re- revelation when I read that and found out about that, and. Uh, my approach to other writers became much more studied, mm-hmm. you know, after that. Uh, I didn't type out any novels, you know, but... I have. But, uh, have you? I've wow. done it with Henry Cutner's stories, and I've done it with... I haven't done it with Edmund Hamilton yet. I've done it with a little bit of Murray Leinster. Um, pro- I've done a little Frederick Brown. It's been very informative. C.L. Moore, um, very informative. That's because you get the rhythm right. Yeah. So it's for me, it's, it's the story is of course important but the rhythm is huge as you know for me um it's i I will read um walter mosley out loud or richard Uh price out loud or elmore you know elmore leonard uh the the urban rather than the western Uh because i just that you know that's that's where i come from that's what it's going to you know um so the reading out loud and the hearing the rhythms, mm-hmm. you know, and feeling those. And then, you know, this is, I'm not a big Dickens fan, you know, but uh, I think, uh, well, he, he paid himself by the words, so there's a problem there for me. Double dip in there, Rich, uh, Charles. Um, but uh, he read everything out loud, everything he wrote out loud in different voices. You I know? do too. Yeah. Um, so that I've, I've done. And I, I, like you, I teach. I teach high school, though. I'm not sure what level you teach. Um, I, I teach in, uh, independently, so a lot of adults. Oh, cool. So I'm always, always preaching the, uh, the, to my. I tend to teach seniors, mm-hmm. and to get them to read their essays out loud, or their, especially awesome. their college, and they always, you know, there's a good chunk of them that always say, "Yeah, I did," and then you, you read it, and you're like. Go ahead, read this out loud in front of the class. Uh-huh. Okay, c- can I take it tonight? Yeah, 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 yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <That sounds laughs> like they a, know. You sound like a great teacher. Well, some say yes, and some say, oh, you should die. I, but, it, you know. <laughs> I'm, I can be tough on my students, too, well, and yeah. because sometimes you need to, well, I won't say this on Yes, get yes. This on tape, well, you just have to get them to work. But coming back to the stuff that we do when we're not in, in the classroom, um, what's your discipline like? Do you write every day? Is are you a more of a planner, and then you know you gorge yourself on the writing? How does it work for you? Um, it's, it's kind of it's such a cute puppy. Um, it's kind of interesting. I can write. I, I do some writing or editing every day, mm-hmm. um, but I never get writer's block because I know that if I'm not 
ready to write something, I just put a, a wait until I am. Okay. And then I can always work on the illustrations. Oh, that's interesting. So I flip back and forth, and I don't fuss with it. But I, I will do some writing or, or editing on something every day. So the idea is to work creatively every day? Yes. Yes. Um, do the two sides argue? Never. Do, that's fantastic. Never. You're a good team. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I, <laughs> I, 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 I never. That's never occurred to me. You know. Ever. <laughs> I mean, you ever have? You know, you're you're drawing a character one way, and in in your writer side, saw him or her completely different, or have, is it more organically flowing? Um, it's organically flowing. What's interesting, I have purposely did that for my next book. Um, I I have a problem with illustrators who don't illustrate exactly to. Sure. What the description is, and and I was always really rigid about that. But for the next book, I actually forced myself to do an illustration slightly different than the text says, which is interesting. So that was a little bit of an. What have you found? There. What have you learned from that? What is what has it pulled out of the story? That's really that's a good question. Um, it it allowed me to do something a little conceptual, which I'm very inspired by Virgil Finley. And his conceptual pieces were extraordinary. And so in another book, not the next one, but one a little bit longer, I further down, probably early next year or something, um, I have a real conceptual piece, very Finley-esque that I'm doing. And I have to make a decision because it, it calls for a nude woman, as like Finley would have done. What do you think? Um, I've been asking my girlfriends. Some of them say free the nipple. <laughs> and other of them, remember, I'm from the West Coast. Sure. Um, other of them say, don't do it if it's unless it's required. Conceptually, you don't see anything really. Right, right. Um, but it really, conceptually, it calls for this woman to be nude. So I have to think about that. That's interesting. But that's another one of those conflicts. That that actually is a, is a full-on writer-illustrator conflict, sure. but it's rare. That's, that's rare, but it... it it speaks to process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, my writing style does not... A full-on sex scene doesn't fit mm. my style. So it's always one of those, you know, they embrace and fade the, to black. You and know, the curtain is pulled. Something like that, yes. Yeah. And, um, it, it, I think it takes away from the intimacy by explaining as if you were drawing a diagram. Yeah. So, but, but there was a, um, uh, in City of Pain, there is some escaped sex trade uh, uh, captives. Mm-hmm. And um, when they first get out and there's a situation, they're still thinking in that imprisoned way. In that, it's very you know, interesting. And... One girl sends all the other girls into a car and she starts going down to her knees because this is what mm-hmm. her experience. And the others save, you know, I, well, we don't know what happens. Read the book, damn it. But um, because that was so organic to that particular story, I go, but that wasn't sex, that, wa- that wasn't lovemaking, that was sex, that was violence, that was crime. Mm-hmm. So I was able to justify it. Um, uh, physical sex in lovemaking always has to be, um, for me anyway, suggested, 
and then it's on to your own because you know intimacy is it's not graphically and then left hand you know it's not a game of twister well right? a friend of mine a good friend of mine is a romance writer and we have a lot of conversations about this um and conversations he or she she how does she, how does she handle it um she has been writing in romance a long time and she's had to change what she does because the mores are different Mm-hmm. You know, now everybody is writing about people having sex immediately after meeting. Whereas when she was writing in the 90s Hello, and 80s... Hello, lovely elevator, right, let's go! Right, that just wasn't, you know, that wasn't the, what people were reading. Um, Do you think Shades of Grey is the thing that was the game changer, or just uh, mores? I went to a writer's conference that was um, an erotica writer's conference. That's fascinating. And it was it was hugely, a lot of people there very interested in what was going on. It was It was a thing. These books, because this is more grounded in the 40s, Landscape of Darkness, mm-hmm. um, those stories rarely had a lot of romance in them. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a romance that's suggested in here, and I may explore it more in for future books. The, the Timekeeper books, the Anchor, which is the next one, is going to have a romance. It's more of a psychological romance. I don't know that we'll ever see anything graphic there, but it's two people who are very intimately entwined emotionally. So there may be room to explore that. I've written other things that have full-on romantic scenes in them, and um, and I will go a little farther than you will, um, I think, but I don't know that I would publish it. It depends on whether the story calls for it, as you right, say. Right, right. It really, you know, you have to, I, I say this almost every episode, but you have to serve the story. Of course. And there will be a time where, you know, it does need to be graphic or mm-hmm. else it doesn't serve the story. That's what it is. But. Well, and I think that it's it's good for writers. Some writers don't seem to understand that. Well, it's one of the reasons we're talking about yes, it. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, we're trying to, uh, uh, part of what we're doing, of course, we're talking about our own writing and we're uh, promoting each other, but we're also providing a service that these are ideas that people should think about it's as they're as they're getting becoming creative mm-hmm. right Fantastic. Um, it'd be interesting to see how you resolve the illustration with whether you free the nipple or i mean do you think you know i want you know to. that flowing scarf you know that i always found I that corny i i you know? really want she's it's it's a it conceptually it's kind of symbolically it's important that she's naked. Well then. She's and I got, really think know, I'm gonna do it. Um, serve the story. Even I, the illustrations got to serve the story. It'll right? be my first very conceptual piece. I have a moderately conceptual piece in the next book, but I'm really fascinated with getting more into conceptual art. Not the way that Finley did it. Not like out there into like not those triangles that right. we're looking at. We have at some it. triangles behind yeah. us. That, not that. No, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that serves exactly, but... Someone likes triangles. Yeah. Um, so where can people who have now been interested by this interview, hopefully, to uh, to find uh, Landscape of Darkness or some of the other... Where can they find your stuff? Um, they can get the book on Amazon. God um, bless Amazon. Yeah, I know. Um, I know what they're doing in there. Well, it is Pulp Fest, so <laughs> Tarzan has arrived. Uh, <laughs> um... They can also go to my website, and um, I will soon have a shop up where you can buy directly from me and, and have things signed. Okay, do you That's have a website? That's Beautiful. So. Oh, there you go. All right, well, thank you for the conversation. Thank you, Chris. And uh, hope, hopefully we can uh, uh, get this out and, and see some more people looking at the landscape of darkness. Oh, thank you so much All for right. having me. Well, thank you for telling the damn story. <laughs>